0: Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today we're going to continue with part two of the episode that we started last week, Standing for Truth in Today's Culture. If you listened to our episode last week, or even if you are just looking around the culture and seeing the rapid decline that is all around us, and you feel your heart stirring to take a bold stand for truth and to make a difference, it can really feel overwhelming at times. If you look at issues like gender identity confusion and abortion and just so many things that are so rapidly going downhill you can easily think to yourself, and I know I've had this thought multiple times, how can I possibly make a difference? I'm one person... these powers of political correctness feel so strong and so overwhelming at times that oftentimes I think we subside into silence not because we want to be silent but simply because we don't know what to do to make a difference so I want to get into some practical ideas some things that I've learned in my own life of how you can start to make an impact on this culture because God has not called us to subside into silence or to just go about our own life he's called us to be as lights shining amidst a perverse generation so what does that mean The first practical that I want to offer you may seem like an obvious one, but it's actually super important. Don't be distracted. And what I mean by that is there is so much noise in our culture, so much opportunity to will our life away on meaningless temporal things. There is noise from social media, noise from the internet, noise from pop culture entertainment. And pretty soon, if we get caught up in all those things, pretty soon we are so distracted by the noise and the entertainment and Hollywood's messages and all that's out there and just having a good time and living in pleasure that we don't really notice the life or death battles that are happening to the souls all around us. And how can we possibly make a difference when we're distracted with cultural noise. I remember once hearing about a burglary technique where a robber, when he wants to break into a house, comes and gives the guard dogs a piece of juicy steak in order to distract them. And the dogs become so preoccupied enjoying that juicy steak that they don't even notice that there's an intruder breaking into the house. And so instead of barking and protecting the house, the dogs are busily scarfing up their food. They're only thinking of their own enjoyment and satisfaction, but their territory is being pillaged and invaded by a burglar. And I think this is such a perfect picture of American Christianity. So many of us are distracted and enamored by the pleasure of this world that we don't notice the evil that is taking place under our, our very noses. We can spend all of our time and energy on social media, in front of the television, watching movies, even just on hobbies and personal pursuits and have very little time or energy to really engage in what's happening to our culture today. And I really believe one of the enemy's sneakiest tactics is to distract us with pop culture noise and temporal pleasures and pursuits and blind us to the reality of what's taking place everywhere around us. In Luke 21:34, Jesus warns against becoming preoccupied with the cares and the pleasures of this life. He said, "But take heed to yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life and that day come upon you unexpectedly." In another passage, Jesus warns against becoming preoccupied with worldly cares like the people were in the days of Noah. He says, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. That's from Luke 17, 27. So I want to ask the question, are we like those people in Noah's time? Preoccupied with our own affairs, preoccupied with entertainment, living in pleasure while the Souls around us are being eternally destroyed by evil and sin. I think we need to wake up from our selfish stupor and remember that we are in a battle between light and darkness. We need to put down our devices and pick up the sword of the spirit. Amy Carmichael gave a soul-stirring challenge in one of her books. She said, Comrades in this solemn fight, let us settle it as something that cannot be shaken. We are here to live holy, loving, lowly lives. We cannot do this unless we walk very, very close to our Lord Jesus. Anything that would hinder us from the closest walk possible till we see him face to face is not for us. So I encourage you to prayerfully consider what areas you might be distracted by the noise of this culture and ask God for the grace to make daily changes to your life and to shift your focus if needed. Now this isn't to say that fun activities should be banished from our lives or that ever-picking-up a device is wrong, but building your life around entertainment and pleasure is not what you are here on this earth for. Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 2.4, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. We cannot forget that we are soldiers in the army of God. We can't become like those German Christians that I talked about in the last episode who slept in ignorance as millions of Jews were slaughtered in their own backyard and a madman took control of their churches. We must engage in the battle that is waging around us. We must engage in this cultural battle by the grace of God and for his glory. The second practical that I want to offer you is to start with souls. Oftentimes we look at the political and social and moral decline of our culture, and we think that unless we are a politician or we're very active on the political side of things, we really can't make any difference. But when we start with souls, it is amazing to see that you can actually make a bigger difference oftentimes than taking a political approach. It doesn't mean political activism is wrong, but it's not the only way to change a society. When we see the dangerous direction that our culture is headed, It can feel paralyzing, and even if we want to take a stand for truth, how do we do it? Well, starting with souls is a way that you can actually start right now. You don't have to have special training. You don't have to become a politician or a lawyer or a lobbyist. You can simply share the amazing transforming truth of Jesus Christ with the people in your life, and you can begin to see a culture change as a result. I love what Catherine Booth says about passionately reaching out to the souls that God has placed in our lives right now and the amazing difference that we can make in doing that. She said, there is one soul that you have more influence with than any other person on earth, some soul or souls. Are you doing all you can for their salvation, your relatives, friends, acquaintances to be rescued from the depths of sin, degradation, and woe? Let them see the tears in your eyes, or if you cannot weep, let them hear the tears in your voice and let them realize that you feel their danger and are in distress for them. God will give his Holy Spirit and they will be saved and that's from her book called Aggressive Christianity. It's heartbreaking to me to think how often we allow social pressure to keep us silent while our friends, our coworkers, and our family members become ensnared by bondage and sin, deceived by the lies of the culture, and choosing loyalty to this world instead of loyalty to Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to ask God for the courage to speak boldly into the lives of those that he has given you influence over. Ask him to give you his heart for their lostness, because when they sense your genuine love, care, and concern and passion for their soul, they can't help but pay attention to your words. And that's what Catherine Booth is saying. Set the stage with fervent prayer. Ask God to show you when, how, and what you should speak into their lives. And then yield yourself to him to be a willing vessel. Trust his spirit to do a powerful work in their lives through you. And remember, it may not happen overnight, but diligent prayer combined with speaking and living the truth in front of them can and will make an eternal difference in other people's lives. We often believe, like I said earlier, that the issues of our day are primarily political, the result of bad government or incorrect legislation, which may be true. And while politics and laws are very important and worth fighting for, what this country really needs is true revival. I remember hearing Leonard Ravenhill speak on historic revival in a radio interview once. And he was talking about what happens to a town or a community or a nation when true revival comes. He had studied revivals all throughout history and they all had one thing in common. When revival comes, the taverns, the the prostitution institutes, the gambling centers, close for lack of business, crime drops so dramatically that law enforcement officials have time on their hands, nothing to do. Notorious people who were enslaved to sin become new creations in Christ. They forsake their addictions and their immorality not merely because someone tells them those things are wrong, but because they have a personal life-changing encounter with the spirit of God and they pass from death to life. All the lobbying and legislation in the world cannot replace the power of God's spirit to transform a soul, a community, and a nation. But revival will only come to this country when we as Christians begin to live our Christianity like we really mean it. So just as Catherine Booth urges, we must aggressively pursue souls around us and let God work through our lives, our words, our examples, and our testimonies to win them for Christ. My husband, Eric, gave a powerful sermon called The Gospel Challenge, and you can download it for free at ellerslie.com. And in that message, he presented a really amazing scenario. If 200 of us as Christians covenanted together to seriously alter the course of history and reestablish the ancient strength of the Almighty in this dying world, and we were all willing to each individually seek the unction to prayerfully and actively seek one soul a month over these next seven years, and we were to disciple these new believers in the unction of the Spirit empowered life to go and do the same. What could the Church of Jesus Christ look like at the close of those seven years? In year one, there would be 2,400 new believers. In year two, 28,800 new believers. Year three, 345,600 new believers. Year four, 4,147,200 new believers. Year five, close to 50 million new believers. And if you think about it, the entire country of Canada is only 36 million people. So that's pretty incredible. Year six, close to 600 million new believers. And the population of the US is 319 million. So that's more than the population of the US. And then by year seven, 7.16 billion new believers. The population of the entire world is 7.13 billion people. So it's shocking to realize that a group of only 200 believers could have that kind of impact for the kingdom of God simply by becoming serious about winning souls for Christ And then those souls, in turn, become serious about winning souls for Christ. So instead of cowering in a corner to protect ourselves from the rapidly increasing darkness of our age, God calls us to go and to shine his light to this lost and dying world. So every morning, I encourage you to take time to ask a new question. What soul has he called me to reach today? If every true Christian in this country begins seriously asking that question each day, just imagine how dramatically and quickly change could come. When Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I talked about in the last episode, read his essay before a group of skeptical pastors, it was called The Church and the Jewish Question, and it really called into question what Hitler was doing to the moral atmosphere of Germany and his influence over the church. When he read that paper before those pastors, he never could have known that his stand for truth that day would be of historical significance. You may not feel that your small steps of obedience and your little acts of courage could ever penetrate the veil of darkness that surrounds our nation, but never underestimate what God could do through one yielded vessel. Very likely, it's not going to be huge, dramatic declarations that make the most lasting impact upon this generation, but the many courageous steps of everyday obedience by believers who are part of today's, quote, confessing church. Now, as I said in last week's episode, we don't actually have something called the confessing church, but it's symbolic of those Christians who are willing to stand up for what they believe in such a time as this. So remember the words that God spoke to Paul when he found himself completely surrounded by evil, darkness, and danger. He said, Do not be afraid. But speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you. That's in Acts 18, 9-10. The same God who commissioned Paul to stand and speak boldly in those harrowing circumstances is urging us to do the same in these dangerous times. And even more exciting, the God who was with Paul back then is the very same God who is with us today. So here are some final thoughts I want to share with you. Next time you need the strength to stand boldly for truth— just remember this amazing promise. If God is for us, who can be against us? From Romans eight thirty one, It's time to go forward boldly into the battle like Esther when she went before the king, upheld by the mighty hand of our defender and deliverer. When we embrace the supernatural courage that he offers, we can become a world-changing tool in his hands for such a time as this. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. For more on this subject, please see the many resources we have at setapartgirl.com and especially the online article called Courage to Stand. And if you haven't yet become a subscriber to the Set Apart Girl magazine, consider doing that because it's an amazing, spiritually rich, beautiful resource that can strengthen every area of your walk with Christ for such a time as this. I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.